0: Hi, this is Steve Edison for the Movement's podcast. A podcast for people who want to multiply disciples and churches everywhere. Today we talk to author and movement catalyst Steve Smith about what it will take to finish the task.
1: I had... Um Been a church planter in Los Angeles for about 10 years, and at that time, I thought, you know, my wife and I, we thought we were pursuing multiplication, and I think we were doing an okay job uh, in the urban environment trying to do that, but there was just still, I think, too many Western props that was easy for us to rely upon. And still a lot of thinking in my mind that was still Steve-centered, you know, that I had to be at the center of what was going on, and it, was, it wasn't until we moved to East Asia and we began to tackle a people group that numbered one and a half million people, and I began to make treks out into these remote mountains, into villages where you know, I would ask them, have you ever heard of Jesus, and there was just a blank stare, no, no, no concept of Jesus being even a person that I just began to be overwhelmed with desperation. And honestly, Steve, I I think God really forced me into multiplication primarily through, um, I just knew something different had to happen. There had to be some sort of movement takeoff where among these 5,000 villages, people that were reached were then in turn by the power of the Spirit reaching others, who in turn were by the power of the Spirit reaching others. And so I just began reading the Book of Acts. Honestly, um, at least once a month, just over and over and over again. And as I get just kept reading Acts, I realized how much of what I was doing was still very human centered, me centered. And I just began to cry out and say, God, I want to see you do things differently, and I want it to be based upon the power of your Spirit working in the life of young believers. And I want to believe that everything that you did in the New Testament, you're still doing today. And uh, frankly, I I think for me, it was a repenting process because there was so much in my mind that had to change in its way of thinking. But as as God just gradually began to help me to repent of these things, like, for instance, I I knew I trusted, (laughs) you know, I knew I trusted the Holy Spirit in me. And I think I could probably trust the Holy Spirit in you because you're a mature believer, But did I really trust the Holy Spirit in a one-day-old new believer? No. You know, and when I realized that it wasn't my job to babysit new Christians, but to empower them to hear God and and act, and I began to transform things. And it did take, honestly, uh, it took laboring uh, with a different mindset, with different ministry methods, a different type of faith. It took us three and a half years really, before we even saw a breakthrough. But the reassurance I had was just that we were doing everything we knew that the Bible said to do. We, we weren't limiting God on anything that he said to do. We were willing to say yes to. And so we, we just kept getting counsel from other advisors and saying, are we, are we on the right track? And they kept reassuring us, yeah, just keep at it. And finally, after three and a half years, we got a breakthrough. And it began to just multiply to, in the first year, 25 churches and then 75 and so on. And at that time, that was the late 90s. Uh, There were very few church planting movements that we knew of at that time. So really, all of us that were practitioners were just trying to try anything, any any application of of God's word that might work in our context. But gradually, as the number of movements began to grow, we began to learn there were principles that were consistent with all of them. So that's sort of how we got involved with it in the beginning of the days.
0: So that transition for you started with the gap between the task and your reality, your limitations. Mm -hmm. But then there's a period where you're immersing yourself in the scriptures and you're still in the field and building convictions that, uh, based on scripture, not on your experience, because you didn't get right. immediate results.
1: No, exactly. In fact, all we knew we could say was, we know we're trying to implement the word the best we know how. Mm. And, you know, people would say, well, it's not bearing fruit. And we're saying, but we're trying to implement the word the best way we know how, mm. you know, and just trusting uh, God will become the God of the increase at the right time.
0: So you had to die to some of that Western pragmatism. That
1: oh, <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, our newsletters were pretty... We're pretty abysmal, you know. I mean, we were sending a lot of zeros back to our, our prayer supporters. Mm. Mm. And that's, that's never fun. Yeah. But there was just this sense of we knew we were onto something. And, and there was this sense in our lives of being freed, I think, for the first time in ministry. Mm. That there were no limitations that we knew of that we were putting onto what God was saying to do. And Mm. that was wonderfully freeing. I felt like I was taken out of the straight jackets of a lot of what I was uh, trained in. And I appreciate my, my training. I appreciate my, my seminary. I appreciated the mentoring I got in LA, Mm. but you know, there was so much more we needed to learn.
0: Mm. But the mentoring from the right, from other practitioners also helped you through that period where you're you're building what you're doing around the scriptures. you're not seeing fruit, but you're getting reassure, a reassurance from from others who've been that journey.
1: Yeah, the way, I, the way I think of it is through the years I've come to understand that there's sort of three places to go for answers and in order of priority. Uh, the first one is the Word of God, which is where we were camped out. But second are, are the, the works of God. Where do we see God working already to illustrate? how the word's being implemented in that context. And the third would be wineskins. Where do we see models that are Mm. working in those works of God? And so um, I began to just seek out anyone that I knew of who was involved in a movement. I remember uh, when I first heard Curtis Sargent, and Curtis was working in my same country and he shared a case study of a movement going on uh, that broke out probably, I think three, three or four years before ours did. And when I heard that, honestly, here's what I did. I just began just jumping up and down in my heart. It's like, yes, I read it in the book of Acts. I knew it could happen. And now it's happening here in my country today. Yeah. I knew it could, I knew God could do this. And so, you know, David Watson, I remember interviewing him, interviewing, you know, Garrison, just anyone I could to say, hey, tell me everything you're learning. Because I want to know how to take the word into action in everyday life.
0: Hmm. I, how were you changing within yourself during those days? Because I, I get that when I talk to some of our guys that are back in the UK, and they're knocking on the door of that next breakthrough, and it's been maybe a year or so of just faithfully in the harvest. They're just determined to be, you know, out there. And sometimes I just look them in the eye and say, "You're different than you were a year hmm. ago." Yeah. So did you experience some of that in those first few years where you're hammering yeah. at it and it's the breakthrough's not coming but will you change it?
1: Oh well, I mean the biggest thing you know God was doing was that process of causing me to repent and just weaning me from you know old models old ways of trusting and relying upon myself. But the second big thing that he was doing <clears throat> the only way I can describe it is this. Um what I see over around the world in the men and women that God's using for breakthroughs, there's this sense of faith. And here's the way I describe it for myself. God wants to start a movement Mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. He wants to do it now and he wants to do it through me. And if I'm not utterly convinced of that, then I'm going home. And we were absolutely convinced God wants to reach this people now, Mm -hmm. you know, in this place. And he wants to do it through us. And I think it was that just tenacity of faith to say, we're not turning loose of the promises of God and everything we were doing, Steve, honestly, the best way I can describe it was just saying, we, we want to root it in the heart of God. And what is our father's heart? Hmm. And his, our father's heart is so he wants to see his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And because we were absolutely convinced of that, then we could keep pressing in. And that's why I honestly, I think after three and a half years with no results, um, I felt ready to turn, turn it all in and go back to the States. But we just kept sensing there's a breakthrough around the corner.
0: Hmm. Well, Steve, um, since then God's broadened your ministry and you've helped a lot of people, uh, over that threshold that you, you talked about. Um, and, uh, in recent times, though, you've, you've faced some, some big challenges personally. I'm sure people would would love just to hear how you're doing and how they can be praying for you.
1: Well, yeah, thanks. Um, you know, yeah, this has been very interesting. Um, my son um, was praying for us early on in this cancer journey we've been on in the last six months. Uh, he, he was praying and said, Dad, uh, Father, thank you that this is uh, Jesus' Great Commission, not Dad's. And that was so freeing to remember, okay, this, this whole endeavor we're involved in, was it my idea or your idea? You know, this is, this is good. So there's a lot of freedom in the journey that we're on, but, uh, medically, um, I've got a pretty rare form of cancer and we're sort of in the wait and see mode right now. We've, I finished chemo, which didn't really have any effect. Uh, I finished radiation and probably in about four weeks, we'll get a scan. It takes several weeks to see the results, to see what effect that's had. Uh, so, just we're, we're praying is um, really one thing. Uh, we're praying God will either heal or we'll do something uh, do something better. Mm-hmm. And our our theology is big enough that uh, if God chooses not to heal, we want him to heal. <laughs> I yeah. want to be around for the race for a long time. Yeah, uh, but. I've seen, you know, and you've seen in history, God sometimes uh, uses the death of his servants to accomplish his purposes. Mm. And, you know, so we're, we're big enough in terms of our understanding to thank God for that as well, mm. but just pray for God to intervene and uh, intervene miraculously. Uh, if, and then above all that he'd get amazing glory for what's going on right now. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: But in the midst of all this, Dave, I, I've been surprised to see um, you don't seem to have slowed down.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No. Uh, You know, one of my life verses is what Jesus uh, said about Jesus' zeal for God's house consumed him. And so um, my goal in life is not to burn out, but to sort of flame out at the right time. And um, if anything, I think that the cancer journey has really caused me uh, to do what Moses did in Psalm 90 verse 12, where he, Moses was praying. He says, um, teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. And I think just um, knowing we can't even count on next year, uh, can't count on next month mm-hmm. has really forced Laura and me to savor each day. Yeah. And for me to say, okay, today uh, what's the most important thing I can give my time to. And then you know, asking sort of, you know, longer term questions. Okay, if there's only a few things that I can accomplish in the next few months for years, uh, what would it be? And it really has helped us crystallize our focus. And an interesting thing, Steve, um, I recently wrote an article uh, for Mission Frontiers. And it's just sort of like 20 life lessons that God's been teaching me through this. And the first thing that came out of all of this was nothing's changed. The, 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 the belief that we have that God wants to start movements here and now uh, is stronger than ever. And I think what God's been doing through this whole journey is saying, you know, the 650 plus movements we know of around the world. Today, uh, that's what he wants to be the norm on every continent. And yeah. so rather than pulling back and saying, OK, reevaluate, give your life to the most important things. He's been saying that's what you have been giving your life to. And don't let up.
0: Yeah. And, well, one of those projects, I guess, um, in some ways, might have begun in those years of studying Acts uh, in East Asia. It's uh, your latest book. Mm -hmm. Um, And why don't you tell us a bit about, um, yeah, about the book and and help us understand the key message.
1: Well, the the book's called Spirit Walk, and um, the the, the big thing is I – I was doing a lot of training in quite a number of countries, and what I find in every church planning movement is there's three basic components that have to be in place and there's a lot of subsets within that, but three broad categories: uh, first of all, there's got to be a spiritual posture of we 're submitting ourselves to what's on our father 's heart we 're in prayer we 're abiding in Christ following his spirit, and we 're willing to pay the price to see. God's vision fulfilled. So there's a spiritual posture of our lives Mm. and the lives of the believers within the movement. Second, there's this simple path that everyone can walk down. So I want to have a path that uh, a one-day old, a one-week old, a one-month-old believer can follow. And we thought we think of things like the four fields or the five parts of a CPN, you know, entry, evangelism, discipleship, church formation, leadership development. But all of these are a path. That's simple enough that an average believer uh, can implement them. So that, that's why we get to multiplication is mm-hmm. they can train others to do the same thing as well as live it themselves. And then the third big area is, you know, there's, there's, there's a spiritual posture. There's this simple path that we can teach, but then there's a reproducing discipleship process week by week. How do I interact with disciples to take that path? And that spiritual posture and make that a reality in their lives where they can take time to look back and evaluate. They can take time to receive something new from our father this week and then take time to look ahead uh, to say, how will I implement and pass this on? Mm-hmm. Here's, here's the thing I was finding, Steve. I was finding so many, uh, especially young CPM practitioners that were so excited to find a path for CPM. They were so ex- excited to find a, a process for discipling people. Mm-hmm. And we were assuming that the spiritual posture was in place. Mm-hmm. And as I began to talk to just practitioner after practitioner, asking about spiritual life, uh, spiritual formation, all of these things, I began to realize there was a great um, illiteracy. It really is a spiritual amnesia to understand what does it mean for an average evangelical follower of Jesus to walk by the Spirit of God day by day? And what I when I do, when I when I walk, you know, disciples through a study of Paul's three journeys, everyone always almost the first thing they always say is a lesson I've learned is they they were led by the spirit. But when I began to talk with people I was training about being led by the spirit, there was sort of like this blank look. Yeah. So what I began to do is really beef up a lot of my training to say, what does the Bible say about being led by the Spirit daily, being filled with them over and over again? Because I found a lot of us were, you know, we were being, uh, we were nervous about these extremes that we hear out there about being filled with the spirit. Really, it should be normative. The spirit walk should be what all of us walk out every day. Mm -hmm. So that's what really this this was all about was I just began to do this with, you know, thousands of Mm -hmm. of missionaries and church planters and pastors. And I began to see a change in their ministries Uh, because if you have you know, the simple plan and you have a discipleship process, but it's lacking the spiritual dynamic. It's just mechanics. Yes. It doesn't get you anywhere. Yes. And I wanted to take us back to the spiritual roots of this. And I just tell you, um, one brother commented to me in his work. He said, you know, two things have happened. One, I'm more fruitful in my ministry. But second, he said, I found that the fruit of the spirit has finally become effortless yeah. He said, for years, I pursued the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, etc without pursuing the source, which was the Holy Spirit himself. He said, once I began to pursue the source, which is the Holy Spirit on a daily basis, then I found that the fruit of the spirit became a natural result of my life. So I just don't want us to assume that the spiritual processes are in place. And I don't want anyone listening to this podcast, especially if you're a fruitful practitioner, Mm. Don't assume that this is in place in the life of the people you train.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you you and I have been around quite a bit. We, we know some things, Steve. And uh, one thing for sure is if you don't attend to that whole life in the Holy Spirit and, and the presence of God, and, and you're going to run out of gas sooner or later, like, whatever right. ministry. You're going to hit a wall
1: and uh, you really will yeah your ministry will plateau and 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 you're 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 gonna you're gonna be out for the count Mm. uh so this is so true uh here's the cool thing is i found that uh the message of walking in the spirit has been uh wonderfully refreshing because uh one guy said to me this he said uh we always hear you know pastors say you know be filled with the spirit but there's never clarity on how do i do that and finally i think i understand Biblically, what to do. And one thing I want to make really clear is um, what I talked about in the book is not a, a one, two, three step process. Mm-hmm. Um, if being filled with the Spirit is really being filled with the Spirit of the Holy God, mm-hmm. then it's His prerogative to do that. And what this book's all about is really how do I posture myself mm-hmm. to receive from God and humble myself before Him so that He will show up on a daily basis in my life.
0: Mm, great. Great. Well, one of the other major, I guess it's your major project now is completing the task. It's yeah. Matthew <laughs> twenty-four fourteen. Tell us a bit about that project.
1: Well, um, you know, I've had this on my heart for years, um, really ever since the early two thousands. Uh, and you've been at some of these meetings where we would try to gather uh, different movement practitioners and trainers from around the world and just say, okay, what do we, what do we know of what God's doing? Where are our movements? You know, honestly, I think in about uh, 2003, uh, I, I knew of about 30, I would say movements. Um, and I didn't know all of them, but that's the ones I knew of. Um, in 2008, we were counting probably about uh, 80. Uh, at the beginning of last year, we, we thought in the global community, we thought there were maybe 200 of these movements, and now, through just some amazing collaboration, which I'll come to in just a moment, you know, we're we're tracking at least 652, what we call uh, stage five CPM. Stage five simply means we've got multiple streams of fourth plus generation churches multiplying, uh, and it's consistent. So, what burden God burdened in my heart was to say, okay. We know we need to reach all of the remaining people groups of this world. That's Matthew 24, 14. Uh, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the ethnic, and then the end will come. So we want every unreached people, we want every unreached place engaged with the gospel. But the problem was a lot of our church planting efforts actually fight against movement uh, strategies. Uh, they're so they're so opposite-focused that it would be a miracle if a movement ever emerged because they're cumbersome wineskins. but there were enough movements emerging that we said, could we begin to get together the movement practitioners to say, what would it take to not only reach the unreached, but do it effectively uh, through CPM DMM strategies. And then third, what would happen if we did so with urgency? Mm. So last year, um, Uh, I gathered with a colleague of mine, Stan Parks, um, about 60 practitioners in two different locations. And these were either CEOs or network leaders that are part of organizations or church planning networks committed to to two things. They were committed to reaching the unreached. They were committed to doing it through movements. And we just began to wait on God for uh, two days and say, God, uh, what would happen if we began to collaborate together and said, we want to do this with urgency. And both groups, independently of each other, we said, God, give us a date that would be one of those Psalm 90 verse 12 dates, you know, numbering our days that we would say we would have to really gird up, you know, the loins of our lives to run uh, with renewed sacrifice to accomplish this. And and God put on our hearts 2025, uh, basically seven and a half, eight years. Just to say, not that we want to have a movement, in every unreached people group, and every unreached place, Mm -hmm. but we at least want to see every unreached place engaged with an effective CPM strategy. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: we began to talk with the group and pray and say, okay, then what would we, what we call ourselves? And we're just like, well, why don't we just call ourselves 2414? And what emerged from that was not an organization because there's, everyone's got their organizational identity. We didn't want to work on that. We just said, what would happen if we began to collaborate as a movement of organizations, CPM networks, churches, and so on? And that's what emerged from this. Um, basically, 2414 is a movement of people that are collect, connected, uh, committed to four things they're committed to reaching the unreached, they're committed to doing so through movements, mm-hmm. they're committed to doing it so with urgent sacrifice. Uh, so, we're aiming for 2025. And then fourth, they're willing to collaborate together. Now, here's where something very cool has arisen that we were unaware of. Uh, we've begun to get collaborations and information from networks that were so deep underground mm-hmm. that only one or two outsiders knew of these movements going on. For but security, now, for security, security issues, location.
0: the movement from too much interference.
1: Absolutely. You know, it's, it's, it's all of the above plus more. I mean, some of these, if I mentioned where they were, mm. uh, it'd be instant, you know, locked down by the government. Yeah. But that's how we began to arrive at this 652 number was guys uh, mm. within those movements saying, I'm willing to, willing to take a risk because we were we would have practitioners, let's say, in some place like Central Asia, who would say, we don't know of any movements going on in Central Asia, mm. Well, the best way to get a movement started is to get someone to walk side by side with another movement in the same context. And as we begin to collaborate, we realize, no, there are movements in places like Central Asia and the Arabian Peninsula and, you know, all throughout the world. In fact, there's no worldview. There's no there's no continent uh, without a movement that's representative among them. So this is very cool. And I just believe what we're seeing is as a growing Movement of organizations, practitioners, churches, and networks that are saying, we're going to finish this thing by the power of God's spirit, no matter what it costs us. And one movement has said, we're happy to work with you as long as you're willing to say, answer one question, are you willing to die to work in this place? And if you are, then we'll collaborate with you. But if not, we don't really have time. Yeah. And I think that's the spirit of what God's raising up in 2414.
0: Mm. So, people who are listening and their their hearts are also lit up with inspiration for this, what's what's the best way to, um, I guess, to track with 2014 yeah. 24-14, or get involved in some way? Um, what's what's the best thing?
1: Best thing is just go to 2414now.net, mm-hmm. 2414now.net, and uh, there's a lot of ways to get involved. Uh, The biggest thing I think that we're seeing is God starting to network people together that didn't know uh, they existed together Mm -hmm. and starting to build collaborations. Uh, You know, in North America, you're very familiar with the No Place Left Network. One of the strengths that 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 network's had is we can almost always find some practitioner in a locale in North America that's Mm -hmm. not too far from you, one, 200 miles away from you that we can connect you to. Now think about if we can take that globally and that's what's happening. So mm-hmm. guys that are working in context and they're frustrated, they're like I was, mm-hmm. you know, for three and a half years, bumping up against these walls. I think now we can save them some time because there are already some good models. There's a good spirit of sacrifice. There's strong vision uh, and precedent in their context for movements that they can learn from mm-hmm. and then creating partnerships to say, Hey, would you come, from your movement into my backyard and bring a few of those hot coals from that fire there. Mm-hmm. And let's just spend a month or two together and see if we can't generate a new fire here. And then you're welcome to go back and I'll keep tending this fire. Mm-hmm. A lot of that's starting to happen now. And it's very, very exciting.
0: Mm-hmm. Steve, when, when you think of this, this vision of, uh, 2414 and, um, the sort of people that God is looking for to finish the task. Um, what what would you say? What what are the sort of men and women that that God's going to call to partner together to get the job done?
1: I, I think He's calling hungry, just really spiritually hungry people um, who've known uh, He wants to do something greater. You know, they, they know in John where Jesus says, you'll do greater works. Uh, they have a burden for lostness, but they just maybe don't know the, the best way to begin approaching lostness in a radical biblical way. I think God's looking for such people. And one thing that's always struck my heart is in Matthew 11, uh, where Jesus says, you know, the kingdom of God has advanced violently and violent men take it by force. And I think that's actually not a bad thing because if you look at Matthew 4 through 10, where he says from the days of John the Baptist until now, the violent men take it by force. What he's referring to are the people like uh, the centurion who came and knelt before Jesus and shouldn't have done that. A leper who, you know, pushed past the crowds to hold onto the feet of Jesus. A woman, you know, with the issue of blood who, you know, elbows her way through a crowd to get to him. Uh, Just, People after people that were desperate, hungry, violent to see God do something bigger than they had encountered before. That's the type of people God's raising up. There's there's no personality profile that you can point to. Uh, there's, There's no one set of characteristics, except that these are men and women that are hungry for God and they're hungry to see God work. And they're willing to live in faith to say, if that's what you're saying, then the answer is always yes. And I feel like that's the big, you know, one thing I see in every movement leader around the world. As I said earlier, they believe God wants to, to do it here, now, through me. And they're not going to turn loose of that. There's a tenacity to say, I believe God wants to do that here. And I'm going to keep praying the Lord's Prayer. You know, God cause your name to be hallowed, cause your kingdom to come your will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven, and I'm not turning loose of that until you show up in power.